all things automotive with the petrol head, Niku Smith. He's uh, standing by on the line. Niku, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bridget. I'm awesome. How are you? I'm fantastic. So here I was after our last conversation and yes. I pulled up into my favorite yellow <laughs> yellow <laughs> garage and I had a look at the, you know, at the pump. I was on some Niku said to me this this shandies. I couldn't remember the acronym, but it's written right there clear for you to see. Needed to be 50 below. And then somebody on Twitter was like actually Cecil's one is at a 10. So yes. maybe you should just go to Cecil from now onwards. I listen, Niku. I listen. Okay, well, that's the idea. Um, uh, well, not the idea that you should listen, but the <laughs> idea with, with the advice is that there's definitely a difference in the parts per million, the, how clean the diesel is. And that should also, you should feel a difference in performance. Mm. Um, and, and, and the car should be a little bit lighter, but it's also about looking after your engine. Yes. Um, especially, um, and it depends on the manufacturer, but um, unfortunately, the downside of the dirty diesel in South Africa is that um, some of the premium manufacturers can't bring their diesel cars in because they rely on a zero or a minimum of five parts per million. It's, PPM is basically the sulfur in the diesel. Uh-huh. And um, before, sulfur was used as a lubricant in the engine. Okay. So that's why it had a high sulfur content. Now with with new diesel injection engines, they run a 2,000 bar pressure, which is extremely high or even higher, and they spray the diesel directly into the combustion chamber. So if the quality isn't great, it can affect the engine in the long run. So mm. um, that's the downside of the dirty diesel. But um, definitely the benefit is that, um, you know, I, I would say if, if I had a diesel car, mm. which I really like, I really like diesel cars, I would probably try and look for the closest Sassel and put the 10 ppm in if I could. Even with 95, the other day somebody said, why do you put 95 in your car, not yes. 93? Well, it's, it's a, again, you know what? You pay so much for a car. Why do you want to put the cheapest fuel into the car? Mm. It's like, you know, it's like your body and you, you have to look after it. So the same with, with the car. Um, in my, and this is, this is just my opinion. I would always put in what the manufacturers require. So if they say put in 95, that's where your engine works optimally. Mm. That's what I'm going to do to look after the car I have. And the same applies um, when you have to service. Uh, you know, sometimes things go wrong in cars. That's just mm. the reality of cars, especially if you have it for a while. Mm. Things break. Recently in my car, you know, I had problems with, with, um, with a, a, a water pump that I had to replace. And uh, so it, it cost me a lot of money. But I also know that if I don't do that mm. and something breaks, even more, the price is going to be even more expensive. So my feeling is always look after your car, service it as much as you can. Don't delay the problems or ignore them. Mm. They could actually become worse problems. So true, so true. And now that you, you know, you, you, you tell me about the sulfur, were we really smelling sulfur this, this past week? I mean, I didn't smell anything, <laughs> but I, I saw... I don't know if Monument... I don't know, Pretoria is a bit higher than Joburg. Uh, <laughs> Joburg, I think, is... Um, uh, so, no, Joburg's higher than Pretoria, actually. It's the other way around. Mm. I don't know, but we didn't... I didn't really, when I live in Pretoria, smell the sulfur. I know a lot of people were batting in Johannesburg. So, But I guess that's a different sulfur to what you have in your diesel car. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I didn't smell anything. I was on Twitter going, Yo, you all are lying. <laughs> Luckily, I missed it too. So, I'm, But something I've heard, it was quite bad. We, you know, in certain areas, people were really... That was an overwhelming smell. So yeah. they sorted out quick. 
Niku, somebody here just sent me a message and they, they said, before I even forget, uh, Tabang from uh, Northwest says he's, he asked you previously a question about how one sees that mileage of a used car has been tempered with or not it's, before it's, buying it. It's difficult to see, uh, but I don't think it's that easy anymore hmm. to see. Because um, before, um, it used to be uh, a little thing that turned over. Nowadays, it's electronic. So mm-hmm. if somebody ha- wants to mess with the kilometers of the car, in most cars, because it's electronic, they'll have to have some sort of um, diagnostic machine to mm. plug into the car. So nowadays, when you service the cars, the, um, the technicians plug in a diagnostic machine that gives you, tells you what the problems are, what the warning lights are, mm. and, and how to fix it. So the car is almost diagnosing itself saying these are the things that's wrong with me, or they can have a look and see, okay, these are the problems. Mm. And then similarly, you have to be able to get into the different menus in there to turn the kilometers back. So it's actually not that easy to simply go in there and turn the kilometers back. And on all the cars, people used to use drawers and uh, all sorts of tricks because it was just simply a cable that turned, a little thing that turned over. Mm. Nowadays, it's actually really not that easy or that simple. And and I think, well, what I would suggest... um, is that if you have a full service history, um, that would be a way of looking at the car. So let's say you bought the car from a manufacturer. Mm. The, the car had to be serviced there. So if you have the VIN number, mm-hmm. you can go to the, them and say, okay, what? this is the car I have. Is there a service record? Because a lot of manufacturers nowadays also record the services electronically. Mm. Before we had a stamp and a book. And you know, if you know the service manager or have a friend at the dealership, they might give you a stamp even though you missed the kilometers and you could chippo that a little bit. Nowadays, yeah. Um, it's electronically recorded with lots, uh, I would say, lots of manufacturers. So they go on the system and they say, oh, you know what? On the system, we can see the car's last service was at 110,000 K. Mm. And if that car suddenly has 86 when you buy it, that's, that would be a, a good way. But otherwise, I don't think you'd know. But these guys would have to, that, ha- that, that did this, that turned the kilometers back, would be very sophisticated in their method because they need a diagnostic machine and need access to the menus. It's not that easy. Also, nowadays, what happens is mm. um, all the cars had one system that counted, which was that little thing that counts. Now cars, because they count electronically, mm. I know some manufacturers, the cluster counts, but the gearbox also counts. Uh-huh. So there's even a count in the gearbox. It's, it's actually not that simple to turn back the kilometers anymore. I, I think it, it doesn't have, But again, I'm, I, I'm a criminal, so maybe it's happening a lot, and mm. I don't know... But I know it's not that easy because the systems can't be chippered that easy because it's not just a simple um, little wheel running counting up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, always so much to learn from Niku. So uh, if you've got some questions or some uh, comments, I'm seeing some voice notes uh, loading. Please feel free to share with us this morning as uh, the conversation continues. Um, and, you know, you always spark thoughts in my head as, as you talk, because <laughs> now I'm thinking about this uh, as we're talking about service, uh, you know, mm-hmm. regarding kilometers. But now I'm thinking about service and, and remembering that sometimes the service guys, especially with these new German cars will tell you you drive too slow you need to you know in, in Zulu we go Vuli engine you must get on the, the highway and open up the engine and I'm just like I feel as though you're encouraging me to break speed limits but I don't know no. if it's actually a good thing or a bad thing okay so, so first of all um, just about servicing don't miss your services if you you know you really um, I, I know that uh, just we're getting more and more cash strapped Mm. And it becomes more and more difficult to, to just survive every day. Mm. But the same will apply to the car. 
if you don't service it, it'll be okay for a while. Mm. But eventually things can go wrong, which will be more expensive. Now, on a car's engine, mm. the worst wear and tear is when you start it in the morning. That's, let's say on a cold Joburg morning or uh -huh. wherever, anywhere else in South Africa, technically, um, when it's cold and you start the car, that, that start is the worst wear, the most wear and tear. Oh. The least wear and tear is when your car is up to temperature, let's say it's at 90 degrees, just for the example, and your mm. car is now at 90 degrees and you're traveling at the highway, on the highway at 120, that's the least amount of wear and tear. So your car is going through a lot of wear and tear while it's starting up and while it's cold. And once it's warm, it's like your body. Yes. You wouldn't go to a sprint race and, and immediately, let's say it's an athletics event mm. and it's cold, you're sitting in the stands. You wouldn't get there, take off your jacket and just run 100 meters without warming up properly. The yeah. same with your car. You have to warm the car up properly oh. before you want to drive it harder. So you've got to always don't idle the car. That's quite bad for it. Okay. Just start it. Drive it softly, or not softly, but let's say drive it sedately until the temperature is there and then drive it how you want. Oh. Um, the important thing is that engines need to get used to um, working through the rev range. Again, it's almost like your body. Mm. If you just walk up and down um, to the kitchen, to work, sit at a desk, um, your body gets used to that. It's not used to exercise. And a car is the same. You actually have to stretch your muscles a bit, the same with a car. It is not a bad thing to drive your car a little bit harder to get through the rev range. So the car is also used to not only having to clean the half thousand, but let's say six and a half thousand, mm. to rev to six thousand, to work, um, let the car work. And also for some cars, diesel cars especially, mm. diesel cars have a diesel particulate filter. What happens is it needs to run on the highway for some distance to clear the diesel particulate filter. Okay. If you just drive to the shops and back, shops and back, it can be that diesel particulate filters clog up. Uh -huh. So actually there's a lot of method in the madness, but wait till the car's warm. And driving it doesn't mean you go at 160 on the highway, <laughs> but it means when you pull away you and the, and the car is now warm, you rev to 6,001st and 6,002nd. And maybe you're then at 120. But accelerate and use the engine. Let the engine stretch its legs a little bit, stretch those muscles. Yes. It is good for the engine to get to go through all the cycles and not just always just idling. So it is a good thing as long as the engine's warm. Aha. Okay, so I'm going to double back to put Steve, my service advisor, all these years and go, Nico says you were half right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know about half right. I don't know exactly what he said, but stretch those legs. And, and as I said, especially... And diesel cars with diesel particulate filters. Actually, all cars. You know what's another thing as well is your battery. Yeah. Your battery um, needs to um, uh, get the energy back. So you have an alternator, which is something that puts energy back in the battery. Mm. And it slowly goes down and down. If it just drives to, to shops and back, it doesn't get a chance to fully load the battery. Mm. So a long-distance drive in any car is not a bad idea. Or if the car is just standing and it's just driving short distance, consider something... Um, that can put the energy back. So you have these little, um, like a little charger thing that you plug into a wall socket and into the battery, mm. and that conditions the battery. And that does help because a lot of people, myself included, have found that um, the, the batteries, especially if the car wasn't driven a lot during COVID when we were home, mm. the batteries eventually will go. And batteries have a certain lifespan, mm. and you want to prolong that by keeping it in the optimal state. 
Oh, wow. I mean, there's so many little things that uh, one needs to be aware of. And you think you're kind of doing the right thing. Meanwhile, you're not. Because I literally thought about it this morning as I was starting the car. I was like, oh, maybe I should be leaving this car to idle a little bit. Oh. I, <laughs> but now you're like, no, no, don't idle. Just But drive it nice until it gets to optimum temperature. I get there you. There you go. Okay. Well, the thing is with, with, with idling a car as well, the mixture is rich. So there's a little bit more fuel than there should be. So a car has a, has a, um, a petrol car. They talk mm. about the fuel air ratio or the stoichiometric ratio, which is 14.7 parts air to one part fuel. So that's the optimal um, um, ratio between fuel and air. Mm. Um, but when you're idling, there's a bit more fuel. It mixes a little bit richer. Um, and that uh, slips past the cylinders into the oil. So the oil eventually, you know, in the longer run, then doesn't, loses its ability to lubricate as well as it when it was new. Mm. So new cars don't idle them, climb in and drive them. Something that's going to shock you mm. and a lot of people, and I think we've spoken about this before, new cars need to be run in. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think, oh, you know what, you bought it at the sack. It's just run in. You know, if I do training normally, I'll ask all the, the, the salespeople in the class, okay, so do I need to run in the car? Mm. No, 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 not necessarily done in the factory. But... None of them have opened the owner's manual. A lot of people haven't opened the owner's manual. Take your car's owner's manual. Have a look in there. Mm-hmm. A lot of cars, it recommends you run in the engine. And that means that for the first, and it depends on the car, so I'm going to really generalize, mm. for the first 1,500 kilometers, for the first 1,000, mm. you build up the rev. So let's say it revs to six. You only, for the first 1,000, revs to 4,000. Mm-hmm. You drive it in town. Not on the highway. Okay. Um, then for 1,000, 2,005, you start building up to the red line. Ideally, in that first 1,005, don't tow, don't drive at a constant speed. Just drive it in town up and down mm. so the car can be run in. Because, um, And again, it doesn't mean your car is going to break at 10,000. But if for the longevity of the car, if the car is run in, if the manufacturers recommend it, mm. there must be something to, um, behind to it. it. Yes, exactly. And when I was working at... Um, uh, for instance, at BMW driver training, when we um, the, the BMWs you use, them, use on the track, mm. we used to run in for a thousand kilometers before we used them on the racetrack. Uh-huh. So they first had a, have a thousand k's on before we drove them on the track. So it's important that you look at your owner's manual that tells you how to, if you, especially if you have a new car, should the car be run in, this is how it should be done. And chances are pretty good most cars, the, the owner's manual require it. You can. You don't have to do it, yeah. but for longevity, not a bad idea. I can tell you this, Niku, for free, <coughs> that none of us are reading the owner's manual. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> we climb in, you say, ah, oh, you know what, I know how that works. That's the radio, that's the... That's the and done and off I go you know let me go show my mate I will figure it out somewhere down the line I don't even know half the things my car can do I I found out the other day it's got reverse assist parking I was like oh (laughs) really well (laughs) well sometimes it's it's sort of twofold Um, sometimes when you buy a new car you are so excited that you just want to get out of there you don't want to listen to what the salesperson is saying because hey this is a new car and I want to go and and have a drive Mm. so um and sometimes the salespeople themselves don't know. So it depends. I guess it's a 50-50. A lot of salespeople really know their stuff and they're excited to tell you. But yeah. you want to go, hey, I want to go I want to go drive. Yeah. So another recommendation is that if you do buy a new car, ask the salesperson 
maybe we can set aside as a little bit of time in a week's time. So mm-hmm. now, let me just drive the car so I can get all the excitement out a little bit out of my body. Mm-hmm. But can we then schedule another bit of time, maybe another hour, that you can show me some of the things? Because the, a lot of times there's amazing things in the cars, but we don't know how they work. Yeah. Never, nobody told us. And we didn't look at the owner's manual and we didn't really figure it out. So, yes. Yeah, no, listen, I, I know myself. I, I traded in my, my previous car and half of it, I didn't even know what it did. And my current car, I certainly don't know anything at all. Um, we, we've got a question here from, uh, so he didn't leave his name or she didn't leave his name, but they wanted to know, they keep having tire problems and they're having to regularly fill up the air at the petrol station. They drive a three-year-old Polo Vivo. And they went on to say that they've changed the front tires a year ago. Uh, do you have any ideas what might be the problem? Yo, you, you, <coughs> excuse me. Um, a tire doesn't lose air uh, like that. It only loses air when, when it's punctured. Okay. So um, normally if a tire loses air, what I would do is, um, in, in, in the, wherever you're parking your car or at a filling station, just be careful where there's no cars. Uh, let's say it's the front wheel. Mm. I turn the front wheels to the side and I simply let the car drive forward slowly and I have a look at the tread. Because if you're losing uh, air, there's probably a screw or a nail in there. Okay. Um, that's normally what happens. It, um, when, you, when you go to a new tire place or when you put in a new tire, they make sure it's clean and it's sealed properly. And the tires are designed to seal properly. Mm. So um, you uh, have a look. As the car is going forward for a nail or a screw, um, and if you do have a nail, so in other words, I would what I would do is I'd go to a tire place mm. and I'd say, okay, let's say it's my front right tire. The front tire is losing pressure. Please check. Um, they take the tire off, and, and normally what they do is they, the first thing they'll do is they put they'll simply just roll it and have a look if there's a screw or a nail in there. Mm. And then what they do is they've got a, just a big tank of water. They dunk it in the tank of water, and if yes. it's losing air, you'll see little bubbles. Mm. So what has happened? My guess is that you lost air in the first time on that on, on your Vivo because there was a screw and nail. Mm. You put in a new tire, but chances are you drove through a screw again. It can unfortunately happen. Yes. You know, two days later after you had a brand new tire, you, you went through another screw or another nail. So something is puncturing the tire. That's mm. what's happening. So mm. you need to go to a, a tire. And there's many good tire places where you can go to to have it checked out. Mm. And then the good news is if you do have a, a let's say there was a nail or a screw, in the tire, it can be plugged. Mm. Something called a mushroom plug. So uh, important that you put in a mushroom plug. Um, so what a mushroom plug is, they literally take the tire off, mm. they clean the inside, and then it looks like a mushroom. So it has a fat bit mm. and a, a thin little a part sticking out. So they clean the tire on the inside, they put a glue, they make the hole a little bit bigger, and they stick the mushroom from the inside out. Mm-hmm. So on the outside, you'll see this thin little bit sticking through the hole, and that seals the tire really well and um, I've, I've put mushroom plugs on my car without an issue. Mm-hmm. So you can put a mushroom plug on, but don't. Sometimes when, they, when there's a hole, they plug it from just the outside. Yeah. So they've got this rubber and this gooey stuff, and they stick it from the outside. That's going to pop out again. That's dangerous. So mm. it can be done. But one more thing, if it's on the side of the tire or the sidewall, you cannot plug it. If there's a cut on the sidewall, mm. it's very dangerous because the sidewall is a few millimeters thin. Uh, it is not very thick. Yeah. And a, a damaged sidewall is extremely dangerous. That's when blow up and, and dangerous things happen on tires. Yeah. So on the trick part, you can plug on the sidewall, you can't. I think we've, we've touched on this before, Nick, but uh, just as by way, whilst we're on tires, 
is it recommendable recommended in in South Africa with our roads? Oh no, let me not even go into our roads because our roads are just crap. But is it recommended <laughs> to be putting those like those low, super low profile tires on cars? Well, you can. People put them on because they look cool, and and for a lot of people, um, the image of their car is the most important. I'm not a big fan mm. for exactly that same reason. So what happens is. When you have a lower profile, um, simply what you have is you've got the mag much closer to the road. Mm. To the, so there's a small gap between the, the road and your mag, um, or, so in other words, or your rim. Yeah. So that means when you go through a pothole, it's easy to pinch the tire. So a low profile tire, let's say it's a 20, 20 inch tire, mm. is much easier or much more likely to get damaged when you hit a pothole hard. As, as opposed to something that has a higher profile. Mm. So if your car had, an, let's say the same car had an 18-inch tire, the side wall, the, the amount of rubber on the side would be more. That means there's a little bit more to absorb um, and take that punishment through a pothole, mm. where if you have a low-profile tire and the pothole is a little bit deep, it's easy to go through there and actually damage the side of the tire. So I would definitely I would say if I bought a new car, I wouldn't be looking for the 20-inch tires I'd rather be looking for the 18s because I'm not too concerned about what they look like yeah. um, as opposed to the roads. And, and some places, actually, the roads are quite good, but some places they're really horrible. Mm. And when you're driving long distance, you know, don't know what you're going to get, um, especially if you, as soon as you're off major highways. Yeah. And if you then pinch the tire, you're stuck. And also a downside is that they don't always have these low-profile tires available readily, and mm. they cost a lot more than a normal tire. So I would agree with that um, idea for me, I'd rather put 18s than 20s because much easier to damage. I got you. And I'm just like, you know, whatever the manufacturer recommends when they designed the car, they thought about these things. So, you know, just just <laughs> that, leave well, it factory yeah. standard. Exactly. So uh, another thing is definitely when the manufacturers, um, let's say that they, they, you can go up to 21 inch, you are post, probably you can fit in 21 inch there, but there's a chance that you might lose the warranty or the maintenance plan that the manufacturer has as well. So mm. if you put something, uh, a lot of manufacturers are now like that. They, they have a certain set of tires and mags, mm. and they say, okay, these are the mags supplied by us. Mm. If you go somewhere else and you put your own rims on there, your warranty is void. Yes. Um, so be careful of that as well, because you can actually then, if there's a problem, um, it can actually damage the suspension of the car because maybe that mag is heavier, mm. it's made from a different material. And if there's an issue, the manufacturer will just say, hang on, but uh, uh, um, when you buy the car and you sign all those pieces of paper, you're mm. also signing that warranty and that um, uh, maintenance plan details. And th those say, <clears throat> excuse me, that if you do things that, uh, you know, in other words, those, the fine print there will say, yeah. if you put your own wheels on, you're not covered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I learned this even with uh, just my windscreen. I changed my windscreen, got chipped, changed it, uh, I think, about a year and a half ago. Uh, and and they met me at the uh, dealership, the windscreen guys. And my, my, my dealer guy actually came to check. He was like, no, I got to check that it's got, you know, the right, uh, the barcoding and the whatever, whatever, because <laughs> it affects your warranty. I was like, sheesh, I wouldn't have known all of this stuff. Well, you know, it sounds like you're in a good dealership where they're looking after you. you there know, better be three cars name. later. <laughs> 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 there better um, be. Exactly, exactly. Well, the thing is, you, all of us, are, you know, we're paying a lot for a car. Whether you're buying a 200,000 rand car, that's a lot of money for you. Whether you're buying a 2 million rand car, that might be a lot of money for you. Yeah. Whatever we're paying for the cars, 
we want to look after them. And yeah, I, I do always appreciate it when the when the manufacturer service departments also look after you well, mm. and and they make sure that everything is, is good on your car and if things are working and, and they're trying to help you when you're battling or it's a bit more expensive. Yeah. That's something I can really appreciate. Yeah. Nico, as a parting shot in our last 30 seconds, Mark wants to know, is the head gasket of the City Golf uh, 1300 compatible with the City Golf 1400 2007 model or is there a difference? I don't know. You've got to, I really don't know. Um, you've got to ask the manufacturer. So I would go to a, a Volkswagen dealership mm-hmm. and ask them there. Um, so Volkswagen dealership, Alternative Goldwagen, they mm. sell the parts. Those are the two places where you could ask them and, 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 and you know, let the experts, because I don't know and I don't want to give you the wrong information. It's possible, but I don't know. Awesome stuff. Niku, as always, it's been delightful chatting to you. Who knew that a petrol head feature would be one of my favorite things on Jet Set Breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bridget. Have a lovely weekend. Awesome. That was Niku. I hope you got a lot of enlightening conversation. We'll be back again with you next week, Saturday. Amanda is standing by with your 9 o'clock news.